Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi. Having been elected and proclaimed President of the Philippines, the challenge is where I will faithfully and conscientiously... There are many things we really have to reconsider. No, uh, Quirino was the worst president ever. Remember when he pardoned the Japanese prisoners of war and sent them home, mm-hmm. which is political suicide. You're going to run yes. for re-election. You're going to send these mm-hmm. people home. His take was, you know, if there's anyone who wants to kill them, it's me because my wife and exactly. my children were killed by the Japanese. Mm-hmm. But I do not want my people to keep this hatred in them. When Quezon, for example, gave refuge to, to the Jews yes. fleeing Nazi Germany. So Quezon when you think of it, Quezon, Quirino, uh, the Vietnamese vote people, we are a people that has given, uh, we have been very humanitarian in many ways. So graceful and noble no? as, as a nation. Conversations with Randy David explores the various aspects of culture, politics, religion, and everything else that makes us Filipino. Listen in on the conversation with today's guest, public historian Ambeth Ocampo. Ambeth, if you look at the the, the Filipino heroes that you've been writing about, no? Rizal, Bonifacio, Aguinaldo, Mabini. Do you have a favorite Filipino hero? Well, Rizal, I like. You've written extensively about him. No? He's not really my favorite. It's just that Rizal... Who is your favorite? Rizal is the lazy historian's favorite <laughs> because he left us with 25 volumes exactly. of writing. So you, you have yeah. a whole lifetime to dig him up. Mm-hmm. Uh, my real favorite is Mabini, mm-hmm. uh, who I think <laughs> should be written, Why? written about because, uh, one, he didn't go abroad. Except to Guam when he was exiled. When he was exiled. But he was the guy who really saw what it was like. And I'd like to think that when we study the Philippine Revolution and we study Mabini, you actually see the past in the present. There are many people who think Mabini was prophetic. He could see what we were like. My take on that is that Mabini is not prophetic. We have not changed in Mm. 100 years. Mm -hmm. And if you study that, that's when you will see maybe one way to change the way in which we are is to know what it was like when the, when the nation was founded. What was uh, it like when the nation was founded? From your perspective, uh, well, Ambed. In the Ateneo, we have two Philippine history courses. One is the Rizal course, Rizal and the emergence of the Filipino nation. The second Philippine course is uh, 1898 or the Republic until mm-hmm. the present. Basically, it's the 20th century. Mm-hmm. And I've been teaching Ateneo for over 20 years and I have only taught that once. After teaching it for one semester, I went to the chair of the and I said, I will never teach this course 
again. Mm-hmm. And she said, why? And I said, because I can find no redeeming factor. I mean, when we study uh, the Philippine Revolution... You, you uh, mean no in, redeeming yeah, value in, 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 in the Imperfect as it is, you know, the, the birth of the nation is, is never nice. So at mm-hmm. least we can, we can do things, no? we can learn from it. But the 20th century... It's mm-hmm. downhill all the way, and it starts from <laughs> it starts from uh, Aguinaldo and, and Mabini. A month ago, I was in the U.S. to give some talks, and uh, I I requested that after the talk, you give me two or three days per per city, so I can hit the li- the libraries in the Library of Congress. I was so surprised. There were letters of Josephine Bracken. Uh, there was a letter of Antonio Luna to Buen Camino about mm-hmm. his arguments. Yes, and uh, there was obviously some American soldier when Tarlac fell an American soldier was able to go into Aguinaldo's office and he stuffed all the papers on the table in his knapsack brought it to the US he dies it's found in an attic and given to the Library of Congress all the documents on Aguinaldo's desk had on the margins the very small almost Mm -hmm. feminine writing of Mabini every document that went into Aguinaldo's room always Mm -hmm. had uh, marginal, Presi, a marginal note, this is how I think this should be decided. And all Aguinaldo really? had to do was yes or no. So you have things like, my neighbor stole my carabao, Mr. President, what will I do? Return the carabao. Uh, there's somebody who's collecting revolutionary tax in our place. Is this official or not? No. There is a, there is a, a, a soldier has raped a woman and Mabini will write a long note. How do you expect our women to be respected if our own soldiers cannot respect them? So where, them? where so, did Mabini stand on and, the uh, uh, Bonifacio Aguinaldo? Well, that's also a bit problematic because in the beginning, Mabini, for example, did not like uh, Antonio Luna. Mm-hmm. Uh, but later when he was in exile, he turned around that's and right. said, you know, Bonifacio was killed and Luna was killed by Aguinaldo because of his uh, mm-hmm. thirst for power. And you have to be careful about the the pre-Guam and the after-Guam Mabini. That's when I realized, you know, Mabini really has to be uh, studied again. And I only had two days in the Library of Congress. If I could find this, you know, just going there for two days, you can imagine what I will find in two months. Mm -hmm. But uh, it showed me that uh, Mabini was the most powerful person yes. in the... And if you think about it, even today, yeah, uh, you don't notice behind it. Behind Aguinaldo. The, no? the executive secretary is actually your is most a, powerful person exactly. because he can issue uh, things by authority of the president, exactly. even if the president mm-hmm. doesn't know. Uh, a president can sign something and it is worthless until the executive mm-hmm. secretary verifies that the signature is the president's. And, and, and this, on, was, yeah. this was what Mabini was. So, and that's why they had to And get on top of that, Aguinaldo really trusted Mabini. Trusted no? him. So you have all these little and notes, his, judgment, no, his no? judgment, things like... Uh, and there's some funny notes like uh, Mabini will say, there's somebody who has, came, who has arrived here who claims he's your friend and he's asking for this uh, concession. Mm-hmm. And then Mabini says, I'm returning the papers to you and you decide the way that you decide. So... You could see uh, that Malacanang today and, and Aguinaldo's <laughs> office so before are parallel. Are parallel. And mm. uh, because Mabini was such a good gatekeeper, they no. had to get rid of him. And how did they get rid of him? They, 
they intrigued him. So the whole mm-hmm. uh, gossip about he had syphilis, no, that mm-hmm. that came big from his being the gatekeeper. And, like and, and he had no role in the Malolos in Convention the Malolos. Uh, as a result, he, no? He actually was against the Constitution mm-hmm. and the, against the establishment of uh, a Congress mm-hmm. uh, because he wanted to protect the President's exactly. powers. It's not because they were thirsty for power. He or, was saying, or, because we are undergoing a war, yeah. you need to act quickly. Yeah. And if you cannot act quickly, then we will lose. And, and, and he, he was accused of being pro-dictatorship. And it, it, you know, today when you are a cabinet member and you go through the commission on, on uh, appointments, it was there. Mabini says, you know, if I have to go through Congress and be approved, I will not be approved <laughs> because they don't like me. Exactly. And therefore, you, Mr. President, will be forced to only appoint those that are in cahoots with the mm-hmm. Congress. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we see that. If you will remember, uh, Aguinaldo had nominated him as Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. And uh, Congress uh, said he could not be Chief Justice. They did not want him because, remember, Aguinaldo was a military president. So the mm-hmm. the chances that he would die in battle was rather large. And mm-hmm. under the Constitution, if president dies, the caretaker is the Chief mm-hmm. Justice. So they said, uh, we, will, we, we don't want Mabini. So when Mabini asked, uh, the commission, okay, what's what's your problem? And uh, the commission said, you can't be chief justice because you are lame. Mm-hmm. And Mabini's reply was, does the job entail a lot of walking? <laughs> um, and because of that, they, of course, they, they did not approve him. So when you see things like that, was, yeah. that, was Mabini being prophetic? No, we have not changed in a hundred years. And uh, I'd like to think that we have to know what we were like at the time, what were the mm-hmm. challenges of that first republic. And mm-hmm. when we know that, then we will understand ourselves and our mm-hmm. present. I went to the site where the, where the Tejeros Convention was held. They were supposed to elect a new government. What you are not told in the textbooks is that the meeting was not supposed to be an election. The meeting was called because Bonifacio was going to mediate between the two rival factions, oh, Magdalo, Magdalo of Aguinaldo and Magdiwang which of, were both uh, Cavite. Which were no, both no. Cavite. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bonifacio's mistake, because he was politically naive, was that he was one. Uh, no one would listen to him because he had he lost all his battles. It was Aguinaldo yeah. who was winning battle after battle after battle. Second, he made the mistake of staying with the relatives of his wife. Uh, who were all Magdiwang. Mm-hmm. So the Magdalos felt he cannot be objective because he's mm-hmm. related to Magdiwang. So he was supposed to mediate, and when he got there, they said, no, we'll not talk about that anymore. Why don't we establish a revolutionary government that will replace the Katipunan? Mm-hmm. And Bonifacio, again, being naive, I think, felt, anyway, okay, let's have elections. Uh, mananalo, no? oh. And then to make sure, he even says, basta kung sino ma-elect. Yun na ang tatanggapin natin and everyone said yes. And we know we know the story. They elected president. It was Aguinaldo and they went all the way down until Bonifacio got uh, minister of the interior, interior. whatever that is. no, And, and somebody, uh, objected, and somebody objected. Now, if you read the text there, and this is what is not in the textbooks, is that there there have been suggestions that there was cheating in the elections. Mm-hmm. no, And... Uh, I'd like to think we've cheated since the First Republic till today. And the the reason why we cannot get over it is because we refuse to go back to that 
How, yeah. what will, how will I tell my children and my children's children that the founding fathers of this nation mm-hmm. cheated? Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, so uh, Bonifacio gets mad, declares it void, and leaves. What I re- realized only recently was when I looked at the list of the people who were elected, now our textbooks don't give us their affiliation. May, and what I one. found out Diba? that the only Magdalo was Aguinaldo okay. yeah. and Magdiwang, everyone else right? was Magdiwang. Mm. Therefore, the lesson of Tejeros is not that Bonifacio was a hothead or that he was cheated. In Tagalog, nilaglag nila. Because <laughs> if they wanted <laughs> him, because Magdiwang controlled that election, yeah. then therefore he could have been elected. So, eh, so he was betrayed even by his relative, the wife's the wife's so, relatives. Uh, so, ito ba yung na kavitismo? So, they say kavitismo. Na regionalism. Na ano, dahil taga-tondo uh, siya. Taga-tondo no? siya. We don't know. Or most of the people there were related by blood or by ninong right. or by classmates. No, uh, mm-hmm. When you look at that story, it's it's not what the textbooks tell That's us. That's true. It's, it's, uh, it's a more nuanced, more complicated story. And that this I is think. what you tell your students. And no, that's no, what no. I tell the students. We are now at the home of General Aguinaldo. The general is going to talk to you in Spanish. The substance of what he is going to say is this, that he is glad of the friendly relations that exist between the Filipinos and the Americans. Let's go to Aguinaldo. To me, he's a very, very interesting person. No? Uh, in some ways, not only because uh, he is accused of having uh, really, in, in a sense, uh, convicted uh, Bonifacio, no? who's regarded especially by the progressive students mm-hmm. as probably a par, if not a greater hero than mm-hmm. Rizal himself. No? I... I often think that Aguinaldo lived too long, no? He died at 90-something, yeah. diba? And he went through different phases of, of, of our history no? as a nation. Uh, what do you really think of I, Aguinaldo? I like to think that we, we remember our heroes not in their twilight, but uh, in their youth when they were uh, really doing something. No? So people just remember Aguinaldo as a you know, doddering old relic of the revolution. Mm-hmm. But you should be reminded that, you know, in 1896, 1898, I mean, when he was elected president of the Philippines, he was 29 years old, college dropout, Mm-mm. has never been abroad except to Hong Kong. He was not very bright. So, But he was not stupid either, no? But when you think about it, you know, what would a 29-year-old person do today? You fought a war against Spain in the <laughs> exactly. United States of America. Now, people get mad when I said, what, do, what does a 29-year-old yeah. do today? He works in a call center. Not that I'm <laughs> saying call centers are bad, but put yourself in his mm-hmm. shoes. And it's easy for us to say, Aguinaldo should have done this, should have done that, because we're using hindsight. Mm-hmm. But he was judging based on what he had on the ground and judged on what... He, he decided based on what he thought was, exactly. was correct. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'd like to think that we should see him in mm-hmm. that way, uh, mm-hmm. imperfect in that light, as he no. was. Uh, mm-hmm. He really inspired the revolution. And just think about it. After Malolos fell and he was retreating north, up north to Palanan, uh, he was not just running by himself. 
the Americans tried to find out where he was. They couldn't they know couldn't. where he no. was. He passed through Pampanga, Bulacan, mm-hmm. Angeles, went to the a whole army. Well, Nobody squealed on him. It Amazing. was so easy to say, to know where he was, but mm-hmm. the, all the places where he passed, they, they protected him. So mm-hmm. this is not the man uh, mm-hmm. that we think is, 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 is so evil. No? Mm-hmm. So and yet when he ran during the Commonwealth elections, no, it must have been very humiliating for a person who played a very big role in the Philippine Revolution to lose to, lose. to somebody like Quezon. No? That's one of the things that uh, most people don't know about also, is that how Quezon manipulated history uh, <laughs> to destroy Aguinaldo. All these questions about who killed Mabini, who killed uh, Antonio Luna, that only comes out shortly before the 1935 right? election. So if Aguinaldo and, and Quezon were chummy-chummy, yeah, those questions those would not have, not come, have out. come out. Or mm-hmm. if they came out, they, it wouldn't have come out in the way that it did. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I, I've traced that already historically. So it was part of the, pol- part of the pol- political... So you actually see how politics uh, invades even the interpretation of our history. Mm-hmm. You, you actually have to read the, 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 the campaign, uh, the run-up mm-hmm. to the campaign. This was the 1935 elections. Aguinaldo kicked out Quezon from the veterans of the revolution. And uh, Quezon says, uh, I'm not a member of that group. They're all fake. They don't know what gunpowder smells like. And the next day, Aguinaldo comes out with with, uh, in the press and says, this is... Again, this is Quezon's application form. I was president <laughs> of the veterans. We took him in and mm. I kicked him out. Mm-hmm. And then later, you'll see some months later, they're investigating. Uh, Aguinaldo owed money to the Philippine National Bank, 80,000 pesos. So mm-hmm. what are we going to do? Why, uh, why, don't you, why don't you pay up? What happened to the money of Biak Nabato? So all mm-hmm. these things this come guy, out. I see. And uh, the, the, the height of it actually is not so much that they're... Aguinaldo, to get even, did a list of Quezon's uh, assets. Mm -hmm. And he brought them out in the newspaper. He has has stocks here. He has land here. He has so many cars. How can you do this with the government salary? Mm -hmm. And Quezon's reply was... Um, uh, is it bad that I'm good at business? Or, uh, <laughs> but he could not explain it. So the whole I idea see, now, so no when, unexplained when wealth you look no at that <laughs> unexplained wealth, it's already there. But oh because Aguinaldo God. was so so evil, no mm. one listened to him. And I'd like to think also Quezon won because he was good looking. Uh, <laughs> it is part of Filipino uh, culture. <laughs> Basta guapo, magaling. My fellow citizens, there is one thought I want you always to bear in mind, and that is that you are Filipinos, that the Philippines are your country, and the only country God has given you. Mm. And of course, between Quezon, who's guapo, and Aguinaldo, who's old and ugly, you'll <laughs> get the guapo one. No? Uh, when I write my, not the textbook history, but a, a readable general history mm-hmm. of the Fili- Philippines, my working title will be Quezon's Curse. And it will be because Quezon said, I, I want a government run like hell by Filipinos. Uh-oh. And he, he got what he, he got wanted. And we now suffer for what he wished for. <laughs> so be careful what you wish for.
Sixth Army forces are route with the Seventh Fleet to northern Luzon. Objective, to take the American flag back to Manila. U.S. guns battle Jap planes and two Jap destroyers. A three-day naval bombardment of the entire Lingayan Gulf area. When I taught the 20th century, that's when I saw, I mean, things like uh, immediately after the war, uh, the government is reconstituted. And what does the Congress do? The first act of Congress was to give themselves back pay for the war. This is, right, huh? this is a country that is brought to its knees by destruction and mm. death. And your Congress will pay themselves back pay for the for the years when they did not do anything so after the philippine american war no uh, after the japanese uh, war second japanese second world war uh, at the time when they should have taken the sacrifice and say let's rebuild the nation things like i had a, when my niece was small she was the little chatterbox so she memorized a lot of philippine history and i remember we, we were in malacanang once and she would stand in front of each of the portraits and tell me who they were and when she stood in front of Laurel, her first thing was, this is the puppet president yeah. of, the, mm. of the Second World War. And I said, where did you learn that? In school. In and school. I said, the puppet um, regime, no? is he really a puppet or is it something that we have to revisit? Because this is mm -hmm. the, the history written by Americans before and during and after the war. But when you think of it, Laurel was in the most difficult position. Exactly. No? So, and if he was not there, things might have been more and, difficult. And it was with the consent of Quezon of himself. Quezon himself. Yeah. So, when you think about this, why have we maligned this man who tried the best exactly. that he could uh, to keep the country, the nation mm. afloat? So, there are many things we really have to reconsider. No, uh, mm. Quirino was the worst president ever no the, the golden orinola which we yeah. all know now is it was not was also politically yeah. motivated yeah, yeah. but when you read for example it it made me rethink him I, Quirino, having been elected and proclaimed president of the philippines will solemnly swear that i will faithfully and conscientiously remember when he pardoned the Japanese prisoners of war in Bilibid and sent them home, mm -hmm. which is political suicide. You're going to run yes. for re-election and you're going to send these mm -hmm. people home. And Pinoy just wanted to kill all of them mm -hmm. to get even. And when he did that, his, his take was, you know, if there's anyone who wants to kill them, it's me because my wife and exactly. my children were killed by the Japanese. Mm. But I do not want my people to keep this hatred in them and we should move forward mm -hmm. because Japan will be useful to us later. When you think about it, this is not, mm -hmm. this is not the act of a man who is as evil as, as he has been painted mm -hmm. to be. Um, so he not only gave uh, pardon to the... Um, to the Japanese prisoners of war, he also helped uh, found relocation camps for yeah. white Russians. When you think of the Philippines today as providing a haven for refugees, of, we, we forget that. I mean, mm -hmm. when Quezon, for example, gave refuge to, to the Jews yes. fleeing Nazi Germany, remember, he wasn't yeah. a real president. Mm -hmm. uh, the he, U.S. He had to do deal with his foreign affairs, and yet Quezon did it. So Quezon when did, you think yeah. of it, Quezon, Quirino, uh, the yeah. Vietnamese vote people, uh, Such, we have been uh, very humanitarian in and, many uh, ways. So graceful no? and noble. Yeah. No? Uh, so, so 
actually when I think of it today I all often wonder also why why we're so negative to the Chinese are we being manipulated by social media into mm-hmm. acting in a or deciding in a particular way yeah. and I think history is one way in which we we have a compass no? can you um, say a little uh, ambet about uh, Aguinaldo and the Japanese because he was in a sense also accused of collaborating with uh, with the Japanese no when we talk about it the elite always collaborates so whether it's american spanish <laughs> japanese and our first our first example there is humabon of cebu uh, who sided with magellan so maybe it's they want to protect themselves and protect their interests also maybe when we study our history we should see how we have been betrayed betrayed by by self-interest mm-hmm. um, into what we have become. Which recalls actually George Santayana's uh, saying that those who cannot remember their past are condemned to, to repeat, repeat it. it no? yeah. and do, uh, do you believe that? Uh, well, when they, when, they say, when they say that history repeats itself, I often say it's typically Pinoy. We want to blame other, other things. History has no mind. History has mm-hmm. no power. History does not act on its own. So it does cannot repeat itself. Mm-hmm. It is it people, is people. <laughs> who repeat it. And mm-hmm. we just don't want to take responsibility for it. Mm-hmm. So why do we repeat it? Because we don't know it or we know right. half no. of it mm-hmm. or we are taught a fake news version of it. And mm-hmm. so I'd like to think... Uh, that's the the role of the historian today mm. in in a world that is plagued by fake news and people who believe what they want to believe mm. no uh, uh, an example i posted a, f- a photograph of the absecom van where ninoy was oh. was uh, taken and uh, you know it was decrepit it was a wreck I where is it now it's being restored for to be put in a human rights museum just seeing it sent a chill up my spine mm. i couldn't even enter even if i'm normally curious i couldn't go inside the, inside, the van. Re- inside mm. the van i was repelled because there was graffiti on it fuck you boy uh, pok pok uh, and i felt this was almost sacrilegious because so i posted this and uh, the comments were very instructive of how people deal with history of course there are people thanking ninoy for his sacrifice people who lived through martial law yeah. but there are stupid comments like uh Cory and Noy Noy are secretly jumping with joy for this man's death because he wouldn't, he, they wouldn't oh be president. God. And consecrate myself to the service of the nation. To the service of the nation. So help me God. So help me God. Yeah, what accounts for such comments, Ambet? Maybe it's because we live in a world where we don't trust institutions. We, we like to talk to our neighbors instead of listening to an authority on something people don't read newspapers anymore well a newspaper you know is is curated because yes. you write you sit down you yes. think you you subject your writing to an editor who will That's vet right. uh, but yeah. now it's just any you can say anything you want and you say some yeah. you say many things which you will not say to a human person exactly face to face the internet brings out the worst in human nature it's a new generation but how do we how do we live in that world? You know, this, this Ninoy thing made me reflect on my life as a historian. What does, what does history and historians yeah. have to give in a, in, a, in a world that does not want to believe you anyway? Mm-hmm. So I guess maybe you just plod on and uh, hope that uh, 
people will remember and people will find it useful. I'd like to think that when Rizal puts himself in the shoes of philosopher Tasho, you know, I, I write, but I will write in code because this generation will not understand, but another generation will and will know that not everyone was sleeping during the dark. You know? So um, we write for the future. Um, it's something that depresses and inspires me at the same time. I'm Beto Campo. This has been such a wonderful conversation. Thank you for coming to my podcast. And I hope we will welcome you soon into your own podcast. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Conversations with Randy David would not have been possible without the help of Puma Podcast, music composed by Ellen Cancho. You may reach us via email at rsd.podcast at gmail.com. You may also follow us on Facebook at Conversations with Randy David and on Twitter at Prof. Randy David. This is Cara David, hoping that you can listen in again in the next episode. <laughs>